Hi, I'm Jay Farner, CEO of Quicken Loans. 30% of Americans who are planning home improvements of $5,000 or more will pay for those renovations with a high-interest credit card. That may not be a great idea. A better idea may be to take cash out of your home with a Quicken Loans 30-year fixed-rate mortgage. The rate today on our 30-year fixed-rate mortgage is 3.99%, APR 4.08%. Call us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com. Rate subject to change. Pay 1.25% fee to receive this discounted rate. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. NMLS number 3030. Broadcasting to the four corners of the conservative universe, it's the Matlock Show. He loves all things conservative politics, and if there's a microphone nearby, you can bet he'll be the one beating the left over the head with it. And now, a true original, the common sense conservative, here's your host, Matlock. Yeah, that's right. Welcome into the Matlock Show. I'm louder and prouder than I've been in a while. I'm so glad that you're along for the ride. Head over. Find me on, what, Instagram, Twitter, and Parlor at Real Matlock. We're over on Facebook, The Cartel Matt, and The Matlock Show. Find me on YouTube, everywhere else. But if you would, do me a great big favor. Head over to thematlockshow.com, L-O-C-K-E, and check that out. You'll find all my social media. You'll find all my links, everything I'm doing over there, thematlockshow.com. Got a great show for you. It is Tuesday. We are just getting the week worn in here, and I'm going to tell you what, lots of information. Hillary Clinton back in the news and her server. We've got uh, this Google-manipulated votes we're going to talk about today. Uh, this this Epstein character, this, uh, this Roger, I think, or Robert. Let me make sure I say his name, Robert. Epstein. Um, he took to Twitter. I'm going to, I'm going to talk about that a little bit today. Um, Arkansiding might be in his near future. You don't go after the Clinton. That's all I have to say. Um, I've turned up my gain. So hopefully this will sound better on Spreaker. I hope because people are saying the loudest mouth in the South is quiet. I, we can't be having that. So I've turned up the volume. I'm peaking on audition. I'm at about negative three. Normally I'm at negative 12 to negative nine. So we've turned this baby up. Let's see what happens. All right. Um, I'll tell you, there are people in the Democrat party, the squad that they run the party. And I'm going to get to that article today. Nancy Pelosi is up to her eyeballs in the squad in trouble. And then we are going to talk about one Elizabeth hoo-ha-hoo, Warren. Woo! Nah, that's probably not very nice. Her 1-1,024th Indian, or wherever the hell she says she is, she's apologizing now. And, uh, you know, the Democrat Party just is not real. They don't believe in her, even though she has women parts. All right, do me a big favor. Head over to thematlockshow.com, L-O-C-K-E, and check out the link I have over there, Verve forever v-e-r-v-e forever.com it's cbd oil now i'm going to tell you i had a great time we're, 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 i'm going to i'm joining rocky stucci the emotional meatball in scotty roberts the big cannoli on tonight's rocky stucci situation room you're going to have to tune in at midnight we, you know he is a verb ambassador i'm a verb ambassador but cbd oil works it works, my friends, and you're not going to find a better quality, higher-grade CBD oil than Verve Forever. And if you use Verve 20, V-E-R-V-E 20, you'll get 20% off that order. And by the way, order over $100, free shipping within the United States. Got lines for veterans, got dog CBD oil, got creams. You got to check it out. The link's over at thematlockshow.com, L-O-C-K-E. It's Verb Forever CBD oil. Go click on that link. Hey, go make me some money. You know you want CBD oil. Go do it. Go tell your friends, tell your family, tell everybody that's wondered or, or, or didn't know about CBD oil. Get over there and do it now. TheMattLockShow.com. Verve forever. Verve 20. Save 20% off and get free shipping over 100 if you order over $100. There you go. All right. So I'm out on the back patio last night doing some show prep. And I find this article and I'm like, you have got to be absolutely kidding me. 
As I sit here and I read this stuff, I think to myself every day, how is this possible? Are we living today? Are we in a society today where, you know, there are two separate streams of justice? Because here is the headline. FBI, which is the Federal Bureau of Investigation, indifferent to possible China hack of Hillary Clinton's server as State Department fought to protect her. Now, if you're like me, you're saying, wait a minute. So the FBI was indifferent to a possible foreign country hacking into our secrets because Hillary Clinton had an unsecured personal email server in her restroom, but they they still are looking for the collusion between Trump and Russia? Can you give me, I mean, come on, really? I'm so irritated. I had to take a drink. My throat's a little bit on the fritz today. I have to apologize. It doesn't happen often, but I've got a little bit of whatever in there. But interviews, listen to this, interviews with intelligence community officials have revealed that senior FBI leaders seemed indifferent to evidence of a possible intrusion by a foreign adversary into former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton's non-government email server and that State Department officials allegedly sought to downgrade classified material found on the server, according to Senate investigators still probing the matter. Are you absolutely kidding me? They downgraded classified material to protect her. They were indifferent about the information or about a possible intrusion by a foreign government, but yet Donald Trump colluded with Russia. The information was contained in a letter and interview transcript sent Monday by the majority staff on the Senate Finance and Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Committees to senior Senate Republicans, including Finance Committee Chairman Chuck Grassley, Republican of Iowa. The letter also noted that neither the committee nor the FBI were able to confirm whether an intrusion into the server occurred. Please, please stop trying to buffalo us. We know the truth. I mean, come on. You've got an unsecured server in your bathroom. You're the secretary of state. You don't think that some foreign country didn't find their way into this. I mean, China's trying to hack America a million times a day. You don't think they didn't get into some podunk thrown together shoestring server out of a bathroom for the Clintons, give me a damn break. And, and if you believe, if you don't believe that, I've got some oceanfront property in Arizona I'd like to sell you. Come on. You're protecting Hillary Clinton. And you're downgrading classified information because the, if, you, if you knowingly give away classified information, that's a crime. What, what I can't remember the exact wording on it. it. Carelessly or negligently, I think it's careless is not the crime negligent is. She was negligent, so what did the FBI do? They downgraded the information so it wasn't classified, so she wouldn't be negligent. The review began after two August 2018 news articles alleged that a Chinese state-owned company hacked former Secretary Clinton's non-government server and inserted code that forwarded all of her emails to the foreign company, the letter stated. Now, that cited an article in the Daily Caller and Fox News. A source, a source briefed on the matter confirmed to Fox News at the time that the Office of Intelligence Community Inspector General, ICIG, was so concerned by the revelation that officials drove over to the FBI to inform agents, including one anti-Trump agent, Peter Strzok, of the development soon after it was discovered via the emails, metadata in late 15, early 16. Now, metadata is what tells you what's in the emails. Metadata is like when I put my podcast out on Spreaker, I put hashtags, I put metadata, because what happens is when you go to Google and you say struck, 
that metadata is stuck into the description of my podcast and it finds it. So metadata is the descriptors of what's going on in the email and they've discovered that, you know, it, it, these emails metadata was being leaked. Now the source said the hack was from a Chinese company described as a front for Chinese intelligence. Think about that for a second. So the FBI says, you know, we, we, we see this company. We, we, we see the source of the hack was this Chinese company. And we know it's a front for Chinese intelligence. And they've used this code <laughs> that forwarded all of her emails to this company. So now this Chinese company, which is a front, by the way, for Chinese intelligence, has put code into the server that has granted them the rights to all of our Secretary of State of the United States emails. Do you not think this is something we should be worried about? Do you not think this is something that shouldn't be investigated? I mean, this is absolutely crazy. What the hell is going on here? It's crazy. The letter to Grassley continued. The reporting indicated that two intelligence community inspector general officials, Frank Rucker and Jeanette McMillan, discovered the code and brought the possible intrusion to the intention of the FBI. In a December of 18 interview with Senate investigators concerning the reporting on the potential foreign hack, Rucker said struck then the deputy assistant director of the FBI's counterintelligence division in charge of the Clinton investigation seemed aloof and dismissive. Why do you think Peter Strzok was interviewing Hillary Clinton by himself? Why do you think there's no video, no 302s, no notes of the interview? You know, why do you think that Rucker and this McMillan said, you know, Strzok, he seemed aloof and dismissive. So he didn't believe it or didn't care, or didn't want to come to the conclusion that it happened. And on top of all that, Rucker says, instructed and asked that many questions. McMillan, meanwhile, said FBI employees were poker-faced during the roughly hour-long meeting about the potential breach, even though both the CIA, Central Intelligence Agency, and the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency, NGA, had significant equities in the information contained on the server. So they had an interest, they, they, they had a part in this. They had a very integral part in this, and they had a reason to be concerned, but it gets better. McMillan told investigators the episode began when Rucker identified an email address in Clinton's email metadata as a potential live drop box for all her emails, which a foreign actor could access. I have Dropbox. I don't know if you've ever used it, but you share files. You share files. Rod and I shared files with the cartel. Rocky and I share files on Dropbox. It's a place where you can go in and you can throw your file in and you can give people the ability to go into that file and pull the stuff out that you pulled. Well, the Chinese wrote the code to give themselves the ability to go in and pull out those emails of every one of them that Hillary Clinton sent. That's a live Dropbox. When Rucker then Googled the email address on the suggestion of then ICIG Charles McCullough, the name of a Chinese company, Shangdong Carter Heavy Industry Machinery, popped up, leading Rucker and McCullough to suspect Chinese involvement, according to Rucker's interview with investigators. In April, the ICIG and Justice Department IG determined that the address apparently matched the one that former Clinton technology aide Paul Combetta, who managed her server and thoroughly deleted a slew of her emails, had created as a dummy to create backups of her emails. Now, wait a minute. Wait just a second. So now we're understanding that the address apparently matched one that former Clinton technology aide Paul Combetta who managed her server, had created as a dummy. Was he in on this? Was Hillary in on this? Was she giving, was she blackmailed? Was she blackmailed by China? Was she blackmailed into giving China our state secrets? You know, the left wanted to tell you how Russia was going to blackmail Trump how they had a blackmail list, right? How Trump was a puppet, how Putin, you know, he, he, he was a cockholster. Remember, remember that whole deal uh, of, 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 uh, Putin's 
But yet here we're finding out that Hillary Clinton's technology aide set up a, a dummy account that was funneling into this Chinese company. Unbelievable, isn't it? It says, however, the DOJIG and the ICIG said they did not identify any information obtained by the FBI during the Clinton email mid-year investigation reflecting that Combetta's dummy email account was associated with a Chinese company or the Chinese government. Throughout, according to McMillan's remarks to Senate investigators, FBI brass generally seemed impressed with Rutgers technical abilities in finding the apparent breach and apparently took the issue seriously. McMillan specifically said Strzok had found the email account's presence and Clinton's metadata strange. You think? You, you, you think? Now, a May 2016 email from Peter Strzok uh, said, we know foreign actors obtained access to some Clinton emails, including at least one secret message via compromises of the private email accounts of Clinton staffers. Stroke earlier this month filed a lawsuit against the Bureau and the Justice Department arguing that the FBI caved to the unrelenting pressure of the president when it fired him. But what we what do we know? We know that Strzok has actually admitted that they knew that foreign actors had access to some Clinton emails and that they know that it came from the private email accounts of Clinton staffers. I mean, they know this is going on, but they did nothing because Peter Strzok was there to do what? He was there to distract you. He was there to cover for Hillary Clinton. He was a henchman for the Clintons because they couldn't have this kind of stuff come out because they needed her to be elected president of the United States. It's one big cover-up. One big cover-up. Now, DOJ IG Michael Horowitz who is investigating all of this in this IG report, previously concluded that although he could not prove Strzok had let his political bias influence officials' decisions during the Clinton email investigation, he did not have the confidence that Strzok had acted without bias at critical junctures in the probe. Now, we know all about the text messaging between him and his lover, Lisa Page. We know the insurance file. You know, we know all that stuff. We know who Peter Strzok is. You know, the left wants to tell you he's innocent. He's going to file a lawsuit saying, you know, I was, I was, oh, I was defamed. I was politically motivated to lose my job. Shut up. Just shut it. It's amazing to watch these liberals continue to break the law and get away with it. It gets better. Now, Rucker and McMillan offered more details into the reports that the State Department sought to cover for Clinton by downgrading the classification of emails on the server. It says, at first... State fought back against the intelligence community being involved, McMillan told investigators, before noting that they eventually relented. McMillan claimed that two State Department employees tried to shield some of Clinton's emails from disclosure under the deliber deliberative process exemption under the Freedom of Information Act rather than labeling the emails classified. The employees, Austin Evers, and Catherine Duvall did not immediately return uh, requests for comments. Evers has since launched the organization American Oversight, along with other former Obama administrative officials. The group says it is devoted to uncovering ethics issues in the Trump administration. Isn't that amazing? So you've got this guy, this Evers, who, you know, they, they deliberately used an exemption on the Freedom of Information Act to mask these classified emails, but he's with a group that says it's devoted to uncovering ethics issues in the Trump administration. Is that, is, is that not an ethics issue? That you're downgrading the classification of emails so you can protect Hillary Clinton? That's the core of ethics. These people are criminals. Now, Rucker also claimed that then-Ambassador Patrick Kennedy questioned whether 
Certain emails should be provided to the intelligence community for review in fighting against classifying other emails, according to the Senate investigators. The State Department didn't respond for requests for comment on that either. Now, here's the crazy thing. Interviews released in 2016, known as these 302s, first revealed the serious allegation that Kennedy applied pressure to subordinates to change classified email codes so they would be shielded from Congress and the public. So here you have Ambassador Patrick Kennedy telling subordinates to change classified email codes so that they could shield Hillary Clinton and any of the information that would show up on Capitol Hill and to the Congress. He was running interference. But Kennedy, in his FBI interview on December 21st of 15, categorically rejected allegations of classified code tampering. Quote, in return for altering the classification, the possibility of additional slots for the FBI admissions overseas was discussed. Then House Oversight Committee Chairman Jason Chaffetz told Fox News. The guy was running interference. You've got Evers and this Duval protecting Hillary Clinton. They're, they're, they're classifying uh, emails and, and bringing them down so that she doesn't get stuck. And then on top of all of this, I want, I want to give you this article because this is amazing. Hillary Clinton slams Trump. This is a headline. Hillary Clinton slams Trump for sharing debunked study that Google manipulated millions of 2016 votes. Now I want you to think about this. Hillary Clinton blasted President Trump because Trump retweeted a an article or a study by one professor, Robert Epstein. Now, if you'll remember, I talked about this story uh, back on the conservative cartel about maybe five to six weeks ago. Mr. Epstein is saying that Google has the ability, the wherewithal, and the technology to manipulate votes. And he told then Senator Ted Cruz that at a bare minimum, Google manipulated 2.6 million votes. Could be as high as 10 million, right? Remember that article? I talked about it. So Trump retweeted this tweet. It says, report just out. Google manipulated from the 2.6 million to 16 million votes for Hillary Clinton in the 16 election. This was put out by a Clinton supporter, not a Trump supporter. Google should be sued. My victory was even bigger than I thought. Now, this comes from Robert Epstein. He's of the American Institute for Behavioral Research and Technology. He said that Google used what he described as search engine manipulation effect to sway at least 2.6 million votes toward Hillary Clinton. Now, here's where we get to the rub. Because it says, however, and this is always funny, however... Many have criticized Epstein's allegation made at a Senate hearing in June with the Washington Compost describing the report as an incomplete picture. So what's the left going to do? What's the mainstream media going to do? They're going to attack this poll. They're going to attack this report because it's damning for them. They know. I mean, come on, guys. We know social media. We know big tech is manipulating votes. Don't think for a second they're not. They are. They're algorithms. We're seeing these whistleblowers. We're watching these people come forward with information. We're seeing Project Veritas. Don't think for a second that Robert Epstein's findings probably are factual. Now, the Washington Compost says they're incomplete. Quote, this is one claim from one person that, as far as we can tell, hasn't been peer-reviewed or replicated. On its surface, it's dubious, as is the methodology underlying it. It's the sort of thing that people in positions of authority 
such as, say, a senator or a president, might be cautious about spreading. The newspaper's Philip Bump wrote on Monday. Now, Hillary Clinton, here's what she said on Twitter. The debunked study you're referring to was based on 21 undecided voters, Clinton told the president in a tweet. For context, that's about half the number of people associated with your campaign who have been indicted. You see how they do that? Oh, yeah. They, they were indicted for tax fraud, for bank fraud, and for not paying their taxes. Or frauding a bank out of money. They weren't indicted for Russia or anything else or for votes or any of that other stuff. Now, here is where it gets crazy. Because I've got a little note in the margin of this article and where I said, you know, Robert Epstein of the American Institute for Behavioral Research and Technology, he said that they use search engine manipulation effect. I've got written to the side, dead. You don't get to talk about the Clintons this way. You don't get to say this because Hillary Clinton knows Google is working for her. Hillary Clinton knows that Google is using algorithms and tech to help her get ahead. So on Twitter today, I'm looking at this and Dr. Robert Epstein, I'm going to follow this guy. I'm going to follow him because he may be dead tomorrow. He came out on Twitter and here's what he said. At Hillary Clinton, whom I have strongly supported for many years, told blatant lies about me today. As a result, I have been subjected to widespread condemnation by mainstream media because this is what happens when you go after the Clintons or the left. The mainstream media starts carrying the water. They come together and they attack you. So now he's been attacked by the mainstream media. He says, I'm going to fight this. Stay tuned tomorrow for my first ever Twitter storm in my suicide with two bullets in the back of my... No, I, I added the suicide with two bullets in the back of the head. He says, you know, you stay tuned tomorrow for my first ever Twitter storm. Interesting. So tomorrow's Wednesday. We're going to see if Robert Epstein makes it through the end of the week. He's going to be found hung um, in a prison somewhere or something else. We're going to see, but... This isn't the kind of stuff that you say to the Clintons. These aren't the kind of things that you fight back with them on. We all know. I mean, seriously, you have to be living under a rock if you don't understand that Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, a lot of these social medias, Google, YouTube, tech, they're all in it for the Democrat Party. They're going to do everything they can to make sure Trump doesn't get reelected. So for, I mean, you can't come out as a Hillary follower and actually try to uh, say something negative about her. It will go negatively for you. So I, I really hope that this Robert Epstein is alive in the next few days, because these are the kind of things that get you killed by the Clintons. But number two, it'll be interested to see what he actually says, you know, because no one, the left always tells you, you got to believe the science. You got to believe the science. The climate is changing. And, you know, all these, you know, these scientists like Bill Nye, who is actually an engineer, but you got to believe science. You're a science denier. But yet, let's not believe someone whose sole job is to follow the very subject he just said about manipulation of votes. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. All right, guys, huge favor here. Head over to scarsandstripescoffee.com. I had Zach Brown yesterday, the man, not the band. He is the military program director for Scars and Stripes Coffee. I'll tell you, they have a great mission. They're lifting up veterans. They're giving them a reason to go into business. They're giving them a platform to sell fantastic coffee. That's what it is. And they're going to have one of the largest, if not the largest, veteran sales force in the world. I, I, we all know veterans. We all love what they do. We all love the fact that they went and fought for our country. They, we lo I love veterans. I will do anything for them. Scars and Stripes Coffee has made them a platform where they can go out and sell coffee and make it a business. 
So if you could do me a huge favor, head over to scarsandstripescoffee.com. Hey, you can use Zeus in the code. That will get Zach Brown some credit. He is a veteran. You heard his story yesterday. If not, you need to go back and listen to the Matlock show from yesterday. I talked to Zach Brown from Scars and Stripes Coffee for almost a half an hour of yesterday's program. It's a fantastic mission helping veterans do it now. Scarsandstripescoffee.com. Use Zeus in the code. You can help a brother out. Scarsandstripescoffee.com. Great coffee, great people, helping veterans do it now. Scarsandstripescoffee.com. All right. The left. Let, let, let's get after this because we're halfway through the program here. Can't believe that already. Already halfway through. You got to make sure to tune in tonight at midnight. I'm on the Situation Room with the meatball, the emotional meatball, Rocky Stucci, and the big cannoli, Scotty Roberts. We're going to talk about all kinds of things. I'm sure of that. We're going to talk about man things. We're going to talk about politics. We're going to discuss a bunch of stuff, so make sure you tune in to the Situation Room tonight. Rocky Stucci, Scotty, Scotty Roberts. But... Uh, all right, the left, the squad, Ilhan Omar, Rashida Tlaib are out there. Oh, you know, Netanyahu, we got to stop giving money to Israel because they're keeping, you know, congressmen and women, duly elected people of Congress out of their country, even though we know that Omar and Tlaib hate Jews. We know that Tlaib is a Palestinian. She uh, erased Israel off her map in her office. But there's some here's some stuff you don't hear. Th these articles are very interesting to me, and here's why. The mainstream media is not reporting on these stories. The Democrat Party, especially in the House, in trouble. They're split. They're fractured. They don't have a platform to run on. They've got really no strong leader to coalesce around. And now House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, she's in trouble. Headlines surrounded. Left corners, Pelosi deputies, lines up primaries against seven Democrat committee chairs. This isn't coming from the right. This isn't coming from the Republican Party. This is coming from the left. This is coming from the far progressive socialist squad left. The left side of her conference, run by the so-called squad of socialist reps, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Ilhan Omar, Rashida Tlaib, and Ayanna Presley, are after Pelosi's top deputies, several committee chairs, face primary challenges similar to the one Ocasio-Cortez used to wipe out longtime Pelosi ally, former rep Joseph Crowley, on her path to power. In fact, at least seven of Pelosi's top confidants, committee chairs, potentially face the same fate as Crowley as primary challengers have announced campaigns against them. Now, here's the, I, I want you to listen to what I'm about ready to tell you here. We see stuff all the time. Oh, that Donald Trump, he's the problem. Oh, that Donald Trump, 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 Trump derangement syndrome, Trump's the problem. Trump's been president for a little less than three years, right? But yet he's the problem. But yet we've got, I want you to listen to this. Here's the next paragraph. One powerful Pelosi deputy who faces a primary, Representative Nita Lowey, Lowey, it's L-O-W-E-Y, Lowey, Democrat New York, the chairwoman of the House Appropriations Committee, has not faced an internal party challenge since 1988. That's 31 years. She hasn't faced an inner, an inner party challenge since 1988. Roll Call's Jennifer Shutt wrote on Monday, the year was 1988. Def Leppard topped the charts and stonewashed jeans were all the rage. It was also the last time powerful House Appropriations Chairwoman Nita Lowy faced a primary challenge. That's all changed now with the decision by Mondaire Jones, a former Obama Administrative Justice Department staffer and attorney for Westchester County's Law Department, to challenge Lowy in next June's primary. 
The 32-year-old political novice plans to take on the New York Democratic incumbent over her positions on issues ranging from climate change to student debt forgiveness to oversight of the Trump administration. Shuck continued her piece by quoting Jones, who compared the race against Lowy to Ocasio-Cortez's victory over Pelosi confidant. Jones hopes the same sentiment that propelled young progressives to victory in the last election cycle with Rep. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's defeat of longtime New York Democrat Joseph Crowley, the most famous example, will resonate with voters throughout the New York's Rockland and Westchester counties. The conventional wisdom dictated that people like me, young people, people of color, had to wait their turn, that they had to accept the opportunities that were given to them instead of putting themselves out there and letting the voters decide, Jones said in an interview. This is so here you go. Let's let's set the table for you. You've got an internal struggle within the Democratic Party. You've got the progressive socialist left, which is ran by one AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. And you've got the elite moderate left ran by one Nancy Pelosi. Now, Sean Hannity makes fun of this a lot, but he's not far off. AOC runs the house. And nowadays, we're running a party based on how many social media clicks someone can get. Hell, even AOC said as much. Well, you know, my followers say, and your followers are little tiny, whiny little number, and mine are big, and so I have the most say. Because in her mind, in her 29-year-old bartending mind, the social media outranks the real world. And so what have they done now? What is the progressive socialist part of the Democratic Party actually done? They put together a coalition to get rid of these moderate Democrats. They are pushing. I've said this before, and I'm going to pat myself on the back right now. Hear that? Because I've said this for months now, that the Democrat Party is going to go the way of the Whig. Remember the Whig Party? right before Abraham Lincoln was elected as the first Republican, the Republican Party replaced the Whig Party. The Democrat Party's on that verge. You're going to see the Democrat Party go by the wayside. You're going to see the Democrat Party become the Socialist Party, the Progressive Party, the Status Party, the Democrat Socialist Party, whatever the hell you want to call it. You're going to see the Democrat Party change, and it's going to change to go far left. It isn't going to come to the middle. It, it isn't going to be more moderate. It's going to be more socialistic. It's going to be more progressive. It's going to be more socialistic. It's going to be more big government. It's going to be more takeover of your rights. And it's coming, my friends. It is coming. Now, I want you to think about this because we're talking about 1988. That's the problem we have currently, right? You've got all these politicians who have been in Congress for 30, 40 years. And they think that Trump's the problem, being there two or three. But yet you've got lawmakers. I want you to listen to this. Lowy arrived on Capitol Hill after the 1988 elections alongside Ways and Means Chairman Richard Neal of Massachusetts, Foreign Affairs Chairman Elliot Engel of New York, and Energy and Commerce Chairman Frank Poloni Jr. of New Jersey, who took office in late 1988, after a special election. All are facing primary challengers this year. The same goes for Transportation and Infrastructure Chairman Peter DeFazio of Oregon, first elected in 1986. Agricultural Chairman Colin C. Peterson of Minnesota, first elected in 1990. And even Judiciary Chairman Gerald Nadler of New York, the party's point man on impeachment proceedings, who came to Congress after a 1992 special election. I mean, think about that. 86, 88, 90, 92. 92 is the year I graduated high school. That's That's been a long time ago. Long time ago. What, 27 years ago? Yeah. If even one of these seven committee chairs falls to a primary challenger, it would be cataclysmic in official Washington. People this close to power of a House speaker are theoretically supposed to be safe from such things, at least from their own parties. But with the rise of the anti-establishment left inside the Democrat, Democrat conference, led by the squad, 
but followed by many others, including in particular the broader, the broader Congressional Progressive Caucus. The leadership has been caught off guard by the surging leftist activism pushing political and policy priorities far outside the American mainstream. Yeah, it's coming, my friends. The swift takeover of the Democrat Party that Ocasio-Cortez and her comrades have engineered may have deep consequences for the party nationally. President Trump has sought to accelerate her rise inside the Democrat Party to great success in order to force the party further to the left and away from solutions on issues voters care about like health care, infrastructure, immigration, family leave, the economy, and more. Trump was very smart. And once again, the left doesn't want to give Donald Trump any kind of credit, but he knew exactly what AOC was going to be to the Democrat Party. She was going to be an albatross. So what did he do? He went out there as fast as he could, and he made these moderate Democrats protect AOC. He made them stand behind her. He made, he made them become lockstep with her. They had to protect her. They had to go out there because meanie Trump can't say that about the Democrats. So they had to rally in around her. And now the Democrat Party is shifting to a very unhealthy socialistic practice. And, and this, this writer gets it because he says too great success in order to force the party further to the left and away from solutions. They don't have any solutions. The Democrat Party doesn't have any solutions. Listen to this. Instead, Democrats are now consumed with an agenda filled with anti-Semitic hatred of Israel. We're seeing that with Omar and Tlaib, as well as open borders, anti-immigration enforcement sediments, support for a government takeover of health care that even 2020 hopeful Senator Bernie Sanders admits would eliminate union health care plans, higher taxation, a climate and environmental policy that would destroy American energy production, and many more extreme agenda items. Welcome to the new Socialist Democrat Party. The new Green Deal, forcing you to bigger government, to more regulations, to more red tape, and to more socialism. That is the Democrat Party. That's the Democrat Party platform. Now, leader Kevin McCarthy of the Republicans... He went on to Breitbart News and did a radio exclusive. He says that Democrats have already failed to accomplish anything since taking the majority in the House. He says, look at what the policies this new socialist Democrat Party is doing. They want to, one, their first, their first most important bill. When you become the majority, you reserve the first 10 numbers for your most important bills. So their most important bill, H.R. 1, was to take your taxpayer money and give it to their campaigns. That was their number one bill. Literally tax the American public and give them thousands of dollars for their own campaigns. Then they have what is called Medicare for None. Medicare for None would take 180 million people's health care away, while at the same time bankrupt those who are currently on Medicare. It's more government control. He says, that's what I believe this future election will be about. Socialism versus freedom. Control versus freedom. They just want greater control over your life. Period. Now, the thing is, we've got the Senate. The Republican Party has the Senate. So the House can sit there and flim-flam and flip-flop and put all the bills out they want to. They have to be passed in the Senate, and they won't be. Now, here's, here is the key to all of this as I end this story, and we're going to pick up on something else and I want to finish the, the program with. McCarthy says there are 31 seats that Democrats sit in today that President Trump carried. He said of those 31... 13 of them, President Trump carried by more than six points. So here you have the socialist wing of the party trying to take them further left when the only way they have the majority is actually winning in Republican areas, areas that would be swing districts. They're taking the party. What he's saying here is they're taking the party the wrong way. They're taking the Democrat party farther left instead of 
moderate or in the middle. Because the left, I'm going to get into this in his final stories here, the left believes that electability is one of the most important things out of any one of their candidates. And I'm amazed because I start, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to give you a little run-up to this story. I watch Fox News, CNN, Headline News, Cheddar. I watch it all. And over the past, I don't know, four, five, six days, I've been seeing a reoccurring theme start to emerge. And, and it's funny because Brandon Morris and I talked about it when we filled in on the Daily Mojo over at Mojo 5 Radio. And we talked about how Kamala Harris was turning into the media's darling. The media wanted Kamala Harris. She was a woman of color, young, articulate, whatever. They wanted her. But what is happening here is exactly the opposite. You've got Joe Biden who can't find his backside with both hands if he fell down on it. Doesn't know what state he's in, what era he's in, or who's prime minister of anything. But now you've got Elizabeth Warren, Focahontas. This is the Democrat nightmare, and I'm going to tell you why. She faked her heritage. Do you not think for a second that Donald Trump isn't going to beat the living snot out of her over that? Do you not think he's going to make that part of every campaign? Do you not think he's going to make that part of everything he talks about? I've got three articles here from The Atlantic, from the AP, and from usnews.com. And I'm going to tell you, it is amazing because the left has become sexist. And you're saying, Matlock, what? The left has become sexist. They don't believe that Elizabeth Warren can win. This Atlantic article, it says a nation of pundits. Electability is the key to the 2020 Democrat primary. So it says, ask any New Hampshire Democrat, which of the nearly two dozen candidates they're voting for in the first in the nation presidential primary, which is still six months away. And the, the reply usually isn't a name, but a list, a few candidates they like, perhaps, or maybe a couple they've ruled out. Ask them what factors in most in their choice, and the response is instantaneous and nearly universal, right down to the words they use, who can beat Trump? These are the electability voters, and they are now driving the Democratic primary. They're the biggest reason, perhaps even the only reason, the former Vice President Joe Biden remains atop the field. Whether they're correct or not, rank-and-file Democrats believe Biden has the best chance of defeating President Trump next fall and that more than health care, climate change, immigration, or any other single policy issue is what they care about above all. In electability, here we go. The media is driving the narrative because it says, quote, whoever can beat Trump is most important. I want him in prison. Elizabeth Keniston told me in Portsmouth where she's waiting for Biden to speak outside a local brewery on a humid Friday evening. I like the other platforms better, but I think he's the only one the middle of the country might vote for. I usually vote for the person I want, but this year I'm going to be more thoughtful. I look at polls. Ding, ding, ding. What's she win, Johnny? She wins an all-expense paid vacation to CNN where she's being fed crap because the mainstream media is trying to guide you in who you may or may not vote for. You know, I've watched the media over the years. John McCain, Mitt Romney, you know, they would pick our candidate. Well, now you have people out there parroting what the mainstream media says. Well, I look at the polls. Now you understand, <clears throat> excuse me, now you understand why the left does their polls. Now you understand why they over-exaggerate their polls. Now you understand why all these Democrats beat Trump in every state, even though it's not true, because people like Elizabeth Keniston, who wants the president in prison, she's paying attention to the polls. It says electability has long been a factor in the nomination battles of both parties. It's significance varying from election to election. 
But the still fresh shock of Trump's 16 victory and the desperation that many Democrats feel to get him out of office has elevated the concern to a higher priority. As I saw in interviews across New Hampshire, electability has turned citizens such as Keniston, a 77-year-old nurse from nearby Stratham, New Hampshire, into amateur pundits themselves. They are basing their choice less on which candidate appeals the most to them than on which one they believe will appeal the most to others. So you're not worried about how you feel. You're worried about how others feel. Once again, letting the media sway your vote. Quote, I am definitely looking at those swing states and trying to think of it from their perspective, because in hindsight, that's where I think we failed, explained Dennis, Denise Day, a 60-year-old social worker from Durham, North New Hampshire. Now electability is huge. It's at the forefront. Electability, electability, electability. It says, but its prominence may also be a manifestation of a more troubling trend in American civic life. The deepening distrust in one's fellow citizens. The rise in electability voters coincides with a decades-long decline in interpersonal trust, as well as data indicating that most Americans lack confidence in others to cast an informed vote. See, we're stupid. We're deplorables. We're uninformed. We're uneducated. Do you see how this is working? Do you see what the media does here? Do you see what these little lefty, idiot, moron liberals do? The lack in confidence in others to cast an informed vote. In New Hampshire, voters seem to take seriously their roles, the great winnowers in presidential politics, performing a service on behalf of their fellow Americans after the caucus goers in Iowa make their pick. New Hampshire gets to sort and sometimes scramble the large field of contenders and send a smaller, more viable group to South Carolina, Nevada, and beyond. See, that's the thing here. The left believes in this electability, and they need informed voters. The preference for electability as opposed to an agreement on issues has been even higher among Democrats this year than it has been at any point in the 2004 race or among Republicans when they tried to defeat an incumbent Democrat president, Obama in 12. In 08 and 16, by contrast, most Democratic voters prioritized ideology over electability and public polling. <laughs> this is what is amazing right here. I want you to listen to this quote. I'm going to move on from this story because I've got two others. It says, it's the nature of the media and the fact that we're suffused so that we're mad with the media now and with horse race stories, Strum explained. But it's also a fact that the last two Republican presidents, George W. Bush, and to a much greater extent, Donald Trump, are really unacceptable to Democrats and to a lot of independents in a way that was, say, never true with Reagan. Now, the amazing thing is this entire story, which is five pages long, right? They use the first three or four pages to tell you how it's an electability voters, blah, 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 blah. But then they finally, at the end, get to this. And it's amazing because they're talking about Elizabeth Warren. And this is what it says. So this, this rainy, let me find the first name of this rainy. I want to make sure that I give suffice um credit where is da 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 oh uh, well i gotta find it and i'm not finding it this pew study organs da 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 i can't find it last name's rainy summarize the responses this way listen to this i thought i knew my neighbors and i thought i knew my fellow citizens and it turns out i didn't so in my mind i wrote a little note here that says i'm right and you're wrong. That's our politics of today. I'm right, and you're wrong. If presidential campaigns often force voters to choose between their head and their heart, then in this Democratic primary, the head is clearly winning. And the candidate who appears to be hurting most, at least among the top-tier contenders, is Elizabeth Warren of Massachusetts. 
Warren has drawn some of the largest, most passionate crowds of the campaign, and her many detailed plans have received enthusiastic reviews from progressive policy experts and voters alike. In a Quinnipiac University poll released last week, she had a clear lead on the question of which candidate has the best policy ideas in the race. 32% of Democratic responses picked Warren, nearly twice the percentage that chose either the next two frontrunners, Biden and Sanders. Yet on the headline question of which candidate would get their vote in the Quinnipiac poll, Biden held an 11-point lead over Warren, who is still plagued by fears among some Democrats that she would be vulnerable to defeat by Trump next year. See, they don't believe, <clears throat> quote, I'm not sure a woman can beat Trump. A 39-year-old Kentucky woman said, honestly, the misogyny and the racism in this country right now is heartbreaking. I hope one day she's president, though. She is amazing. So the left has become sexist. They don't believe Warren can beat Trump. I head to the next article, and I've got just about six minutes here. Energized and anxious. Liberals worry Warren and Sanders can't win. They want fundamental change, single-payer health care, debt-free college environmental protections, and the end of big money in politics. But as liberal voters size up the two leading candidates running on their values, Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, one question is impossible to avoid. Can either one beat President Trump? Even some of the most passionate liberals are not sure. Sanders or Warren is up to the task, knowing that Trump will use anything he can to tear them down, age, gender, personal background, and of course their progressive plans to transform healthcare in the U.S. economy. The electability question is coloring the high-stakes competition between the dueling New England senators who are allies on policy but stand in each other's way in the broader fight to unify their party's energized liberal base. And as they struggle for answers, voters must confront a sense of deep uncertainty that has settled over the party's far-left flank. Richard Poulin, listen to this. Richard Poulin, a 74-year-old gift shop owner, stood in the back of a Sanders rally with a Bernie sticker on his chest. He hosted Sanders' local campaign headquarters four years ago, but admitted he was considering abandoning the fiery Vermont senator in favor of Warren. Here's his quote. I see her gaining, and I like the forward movement, said Poulin. Citing Warren's recent rise in the polls, she has a chance that's what I like. Still, he may not vote for either one, he said. He would reluctantly support the more moderate frontrunner Joe Biden if he ultimately has the best chance to win. Voters like Poulin are hardly unique. So there it is again, the Democrat Party. Well, we like Sanders and Warren, but they won't really be able to beat Trump. And you know who won't be able to beat Trump either? That would be Joe Biden. Now, this was from the AP. Now, the U.S. News, here's their little take on it. Many Democrats love Elizabeth Warren. They also worry about her. Senator Elizabeth Warren has built the most formidable campaign organization of any Democrat presidential candidate in the first nominating states, raising an impressive $25 million without holding high-dollar fundraisers, and has risen steadily in Iowa and New Hampshire polls. Yet few candidates also inspire as much worry among these voters as Miss Warren does. Whoops. Even as she demonstrates why she's leading candidate for the party's nomination, Miss Warren is facing persistent questions and doubts about whether she'd be able to defeat President Trump in the general election. The concerns, including her admirers, reflect the head versus heart debate, shaping a democratic contest, increasingly being fought over the meaning of electability and how to take on Mr. Trump. There's one thing in here that I found unbelievable. The concerns about Miss Warren partly reflect ingrained assumptions that women or candidates of color would have a harder time winning the presidency than white men. This view has been repeatedly expressed in the campaign trail by some Democrats who believe Mr. Trump's unlikely victory after two terms of the nation's first black president amounted to a warning sign about the American electric's openness to change. The America is racist. It's un frickin believable it's crazy we'll see what happens they're not too excited about elizabeth warren i don't think she makes it any one of them that runs against trump 
dead in the water. Hey, guys, head over to combatflipflops.com. Use LOCK25. That's LOCK25, L-O-C-K-E. Say 25% off. They've got the no-rise Flopperator Coyotes. I've got them on order. They should be in anytime. Head over to combatflipflops.com. Get you a great pair of flip-flops. Use LOCK25. We'll get you 25% off of that order today. Do it like I did it. Use Lock25, combatflipflops.com. Get over there and do it now. It's summertime. You need some flip-flops. Guys, that's it for the end of the program. Hard to believe an hour has come and gone. Hey, tune in tonight to the Situation Room. Rocky Stucci, I'm on there with the emotional meatball. And the big cannoli, Scotty Roberts. You're not going to want to miss it. Make sure you tune in at midnight. That's all I got for today. That's all I've got for today. I'm glad you hung around. Head over to thematlockshow.com. Check it out. Find my social media. Go like and follow the page. Listen to the podcast. Share, share, share. For today, Matlock, out. Hi, I'm Jay Farner, CEO of Quicken Loans. 30% of Americans who are planning home improvements of $5,000 or more will pay for those renovations with a high-interest credit card. That may not be a great idea. A better idea may be to take cash out of your home with a Quicken Loans 30-year fixed-rate mortgage. The rate today on our 30-year fixed-rate mortgage is 3.99%, APR 4.08%. Call us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com. Rate subject to change. Pay 1.25% fee to receive this discounted rate. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. NMLS number 3030. Hi, I'm Jay Farner, CEO of Quicken Loans. 30% of Americans who are planning home improvements of $5,000 or more will pay for those renovations with a high-interest credit card. That may not be a great idea. A better idea may be to take cash out of your home with a Quicken Loans 30-year fixed-rate mortgage. The rate today on our 30-year fixed-rate mortgage is 3.99%, APR 4.08%. Call us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com. Rate subject to change. Pay 1.25% fee to receive this discounted rate. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. NMLS number 30.